We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving um, time off, time of family, um, and hopefully you got to watch a lot of football like like I did. But uh, first, I want to say apologize if uh, my voice cracks or anything. I'm uh, congested. Had a little head cold, sinus allergy issue going on, but nonetheless, have to jump on for uh, the weekly Monday show. And my goodness, um, my head might explode with everything that I get to talk about today. It's going to be, uh, it's been an amazing 24 to 48 hours. Let's just say that the world of college football. So let's let's just. Let's just enjoy this and have some fun. As the, I mean, obviously the coaching carousel is going crazy, um, but some other interesting things going on too that will that uh that I'll dive into. The first thing I want to talk about is my beloved Michigan Wolverines beating Ohio State. Finally, <laughs> I was able to see all of the second half. Um, I was. In the car, listening to it on the listening to the radio for the first half, but very, very, very excited with what transpired in Ann Arbor. Obviously, uh, when I saw that it was snowing the way that it was, I'm like, "This is right up Michigan's alley." And I, I with how physical Michigan's offensive line and defensive line, for that matter, have been all season. When I saw that it was snowing, I'm like, they're going to come out and hit Ohio State in the mouth. And that's what they did. Now, I didn't think that they would perform at the elite level that they did and just dominate the entire football game like they did. That I'm pleasantly surprised and very, very happy. But I I, I don't know if anybody saw that happening. Even, even the people who picked Michigan thought they were going to win. Now, I thought Ohio State was going to win. Uh, by two touchdowns, honestly, if I'm being completely honest. Um, but very happy that that did not happen. The way that the Wolver, like I said, the way the Wolverines ran the football in that game uh, with Hassan Haskins just was a superstar. And uh, bravo to him for his performance. But the guy who I think is going to get the most attention right now is uh, Aiden Hutchinson um, becoming the single-season sack leader in Michigan. And I, I honestly think that he might have moved to the number one spot on some NFL draft boards with his performance against Ohio State. And that's not taking anything away from Kayvon Thibodeau and what he's done this year and throughout his career because he is an amazing player. But I don't think you can go wrong with either one of these, either one of those guys. I mean, what they can do um, is, is is amazing, and either one will look very good in Honolulu blue next year for the Detroit Lions. So I'm excited about that. But that's that's a whole other issue. <laughs> but uh, again, bravo to the Michigan Wolverines. And again, like I've said before. Me and my cousin Jake Saul had a previous episode where we talked about how uh, putrid we thought Michigan was going to be this year. And boy, am I glad that me and him, him and I were wrong. I'm so happy, Um, especially myself. Like I thought Michigan was going to be terrible this year. I thought Jim Harbaugh was going to get fired. But Jim Harbaugh did a fantastic job, hired a very young staff, Basically, everyone's under 45, which is what the players want. They relate to. It's fun. And they get back to having fun playing football and being physical and playing Michigan football, and that's what they did. And they've been tremendous. And I'm super, super excited to see them play in the Big Ten Championship this Saturday night against Iowa. And I think that they could roll Iowa. 
<clears throat> we all know what's going to happen in that game. There's going to be a lot of running, <laughs> but uh, I I don't know if I was going to be able to run the football against Michigan with how good Michigan's defense is. Um, of course, I was a, a decent football team. They're going to be able to do some things, but I just think Michigan's going to win that game by a couple touchdowns and propel themselves into the college football playoff, which I'm super happy about, but something I definitely didn't see coming. So that leads me into my next topic I wanted to discuss. Uh, I want to talk about Coastal Carolina getting back-to-back 10-plus win seasons for for a program like Coastal, and for any program for that matter. This is such a huge deal. What that they what they've been able to do so quickly, transitioning from FCS to FBS, and to perform at the level they're performing at in the Sun Belt and nationally is uh, something that needs to be applauded and rewarded. And I hope the Shants get to go to a, a decent bowl game, get win number eleven, have back to back eleven win seasons would be um, just amazing for that program. And super super excited to to see where they end up playing for a bowl game and uh, glad to see that both of the teams that I really cheer for um, have success um, on the season but have success this past week um, so so super super excited about that it's like I said it's gonna be interesting to see where they uh, where they're headed for bowls I've seen a handful of different uh, scenarios I just hope they don't end up in the Myrtle Beach Bowl playing at home on a Monday, uh, on a work day, on like 2.30 Eastern, just wouldn't be good for the fans. But but no matter what, they're going to be super, super excited. And uh, I know they're super, super excited that it's really seeming like more and more that Jamie Chadwell is going to continue to be the coach of Coastal Carolina. And uh, I'm here for that and super, super excited to see that. Now, another thing I'd like to discuss, uh, just a tip of the cap to Brees Hall, running back of Iowa State, for setting the NCAA record with 24 straight games with a touchdown. I mean, th- that that's mind-blowing to me to, to do something like that. I mean, 24 straight games, that's two seasons, like two full seasons. And to score a touchdown in every single game just – not only speak to your uh, your longevity as a player and to stay healthy, but to be productive at that level. I mean, I mean, obviously he's a huge, huge part of that offense, and they, I mean, they need him and they utilize him, obviously. But but that doesn't. I mean, that doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, the fact that he was healthy enough to play in twenty four straight games in today's modern day age of football. But then to be able to score in 24 straight games, I I don't know if that's something that'll ever happen again. Um, and, and just something I had to bring up just because, like I said, I don't know if that's ever going to happen again because that is that's pretty special. Uh, the, the next topic I'd like to discuss, um, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. <clears throat> this might be the best 3-9 and nine football team ever. An amazing season for them, really. They go three and nine, one and eight in the Big Ten. They ended the season on a six-game losing streak, but all six of those games were decided by single digits. And we all know Scott Frost's history in those close games and just how bad it's been for Nebraska and that fan base. But here's an even, and I'll get back to him. Um, but here's an even crazier stat. They scored 239 points on the season, and they gave up 239 points. And they went 3-9. and nine. Just amazing. Um, I, I don't know if that's something we'll ever see again either, honestly. But <clears throat> Scott Frost got a vote of confidence from the AD. Um, he's coming back next season. And, and I really believe he is the right man for that job. They, they, I've said it before and I'll say it again. They're they very, very close to turning the corner there. Um, they just need they just need that consistent, consistent play at quarterback. And once they find that, I think they're going to be rolling. Um, Adrian Martinez obviously hasn't been that guy. But uh, that young quarterback who played on uh, Friday 
did a good job for them. And, I, and it's a small sample size, obviously, but maybe that's their guy moving forward. But if they're able to get consistent play from the quarterback position and not turn the ball over, they're going to be just fine. And uh, especially in the Big Ten West. Um, so just just an amazing stat there to score 239 points and to allow 239 points and to go three and nine is uh, just amazing. Um, then as everybody knows, every week I, <clears throat> I uh, have a partnership with Sidelines UConn. Have to talk about the Huskies a little bit. Um, the Huskies had a okay showing against Houston um, in their final game of the season. Um, obviously, we we won't go too in depth on that, but but I mean they 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 didn't play terrible, and they they did what they that you would they played the way you would have thought they would have played in that type of game. Um, they they never give up, but. Uh, the, the main thing I want to talk about uh, UConn right now is with the with Jim Moore now is in complete control of the of the program and uh, the changes he's already made on that coaching staff nobody was retained on the staff which which I was a little little sad to see that Spanos wasn't retained because I felt like he deserved it. But he'll he'll end up he'll end up somewhere on his feet and he'll be just fine. But uh, UConn staff coming together pretty well um, with Jim Mora hiring uh, wide receiver coach John Allen from Louisiana Tech, Cirque uh, Diabate as the linebacker coach from Middle Tennessee, um, Panther staffer EJ Barthel as the running back coach. He. Uh, <coughs> Hired John Marnelli from Illinois. He was an analyst in Illinois, and he's coming on. Uh, he's coming to UConn. So they just what they've been able to do so far, pretty pretty amazing. Then the new offensive coordinator is uh, main head coach Nick Carlton. Um, he's a quarterback guru, and he. he uh, he was the GA at BC when Ryan Day was there, and uh, <clears throat> he, yeah, I think I think they got a good one there. He's he's a he's a rising star in the coaching profession, in my opinion. So uh, very very happy for UConn and the fans. And there's been others that have been named. I'm not going to go in depth on every single one of them, but. Really, really excited for what the future's holding there and how they have hit the recruiting trail so hard already. Jim Moore has been everywhere um, in Connecticut and elsewhere. He's doing a great job. Um, just really, really happy to see that for Husky fans because they deserve it. And I can't wait till uh, the opportunity to not only go to a UConn football game with all those great people, but... Uh, to just see them competing and winning consistently um, as those fans deserve it. And it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Now I'm not going to say that they're going to come out and win six, seven games next year. The bar is extremely low. Um, so if they come out, they very well could come out and win three or four games next year. And I mean, that wouldn't be shocking to me, but that would be a huge step in the right direction. Honestly, um, <clears throat> that would be that would be a big deal uh from from as bad as it's been this year to if they get four wins i mean that's a heck of a jump and something that should be applauded when when that does happen because i think it's going to um then now let's just go into um well first let's talk about the the transfer portal uh heating up heavily today as you would expect after the season ended for a lot of teams. Um, two of the big, big names that uh, that we saw enter the portal, uh, Dylan Gabriel from UCF, the quarterback at UCF, really, really intrigued to see where he goes because uh, he was playing pretty darn well for UCF before he got hurt this year. 
Um, it, 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 he'll have any number of places will want him. But then, obviously, the number one that uh, everybody's going to talk a lot about, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma entering the portal. And uh, Oklahoma's seen a lot of guys enter the portal, but we'll get uh, – I, I think everybody knows why. But uh, it, I personally think – Spencer Rattler is going to go to either Arizona or Arizona State. He's from Arizona. Uh, Jane Daniels will he'll he'll be done at Arizona State. That that could be a very realistic place for him to land to step in. Um, I think Herm Edwards can give him the direction that he needs. And uh, I mean, it's I mean Spencer Rattler's a good. I mean, he knows how to play. We we've seen him play at a high level. Uh, we've seen him make mistakes at a high level as well, but I think he just needs that consistent uh, ear like uh, Herm Edwards can give him and uh, to develop him into an NFL quarterback. And, and I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he will be an NFL quarterback. I mean, he might, he could even potentially enter the draft this year. And I definitely think he would get drafted, but just nowhere near where we're, especially at the beginning of the year where he was projected or where he could be in the future. Um, I think it's very apparent that he needs to go somewhere and continue to develop. And I think he will, and I think he'll be just fine. But I think it's safe to say one school he will not go to is USC. (laughs) Um, I, I, I do not think him and Lincoln Riley see eye to eye at all. And I don't see that. Uh, being a good fit. However, I, I do see maybe another quarterback transferring there, but we'll get to that. Um, of course, more names in the portal than just those quarterbacks, but <clears throat> but those are the two that you that uh, that you think of real quick when you when you see the big names in the portal. Um, Another one that I thought was interesting was Georgia Tech running back uh, Jamar Gibbs. He he had a really really good freshman year. He also had a really good year this year. He's the number one uh, rated pass catching running back in college football. Um, just he's a really really talented player, and uh, <clears throat> and I, I think any team would be very very lucky to get him. Um, I think he's going to end up at you name the P five. Um, and step in right away and be able to help and contribute right away. <clears throat> but uh, but let's just dive right into the past twenty four plus hours. Um, obviously Sunday we get the news um, that we all had kind of been um, thinking was going to happen just from the rumors we'd seen. But uh, I originally heard that. Billy Napier was going to go to Virginia Tech. I heard that it was getting close to a done deal, but then Dan Mullen got fired at Florida. And I think when Florida comes in compared to Virginia Tech, I think that uh, that is a that's a job that you can't turn down. And and I think Billy Napier is a home run hire at Florida. I really do. The only thing that I think can screw up that situation is unrealistic expectations from Florida Gator fans. Um, And I say that because um, Florida is not going to be good right away. They are depleted from a talent perspective in a lot of areas uh, because Dan Mullen just didn't want to recruit anymore. I mean, he made that perfectly clear with the comments that he made uh, during the season this year, but uh, and so Billy Napier and that staff he puts together, they got their hands full. But they, I mean, they're in a perfect spot. Every team in Florida is down right now. Florida State is not good. Um, UCF is in in a state of flux right now. I feel like I feel like they're very. I feel like UCF is overrated in my opinion. Um, I don't feel like it's as big of a, as big of a hot better splash as, as some people think now, as they move to the big 12, that might change. 
Then you have South Florida, who is just in the dumps, really. Um, then you have Florida Atlantic, who I, I think they've reached the ceiling of what they can be. Um, then you have FIU that's just in complete shambles, and it m might drop the program. Um, they just need new leadership in general, and luckily they got rid of the AD. Hopefully the school supports the program the way it needs to be supported. But uh, but going back to Florida, I mean, every other FBS program in the state is down and not even close to what Florida is and can be. So Billy Napier just has to come in and pedal to the metal right away and get get kids to come play at Florida. And he will. And he will. But... Gator fans just need to be realistic. Give him at least two years to get that talent back to where it needs to be. And I think Florida will be just fine. That with the Louisiana job open, I think they need to go get Coach Ed Ogeron, Coach O, to go coach the Raging Cajuns. Because you, could you imagine... Could you imagine the Raging Cajun himself coaching the Raging Cajuns and what that would – that would just be amazing. And I think LSU is going to – now, I said this yesterday, not knowing what happened today, but I think LSU is going to regret not hiring Billy Napier. I really, really do. I think he's that good of a football coach and – uh yeah, I think he's just gonna. I think he's gonna do good things in Florida. Then yesterday, <laughs> out of out of nowhere, Pete Thamel, who always does fantastic reporting, he's he's the best in the business. Out of nowhere, tweets out USC is targeting Lincoln Riley as their next head coach, and I think everybody's head exploded when they saw that. <laughs> Because Lincoln Riley, the night before, in the interview, was like, I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. Well, he, was, he wasn't he was lying. Um, he's going to be the next head coach at USC. <laughs> now, I, I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, <clears throat> and I will say, like, coaches bailing on their teams in the middle of the year. Now, Oklahoma isn't going to go to the playoff. Now I'll get to Notre Dame with their situation, but uh, but still, I I have issues with the season is still going on and you bail on your team. Um, luckily they have somebody like Bob Stoops who can step right in and fill that void tremendously. Obviously, there's probably not anyone better suited for that that they that they could just get off the street to uh, coach their program, and he'll do a great job. We know that. I, I even heard that he's meeting with recruits, families, and out recruiting tonight. So, I mean, he, he's a professional, and he's won at the highest level, and he very well might be the next head coach at Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> that'll be interesting to see how that works out. But uh, I, I do have a little bit of an issue with leaving your program in the middle of the year and just uh, kind of bailing to go somewhere else. Um, but I, I can't blame Lincoln Riley for leaving. And uh, because I think Oklahoma, well, I don't think, I, I, I think it's a fact that Oklahoma has reached their ceiling. That Oklahoma isn't going to be any better than what they are. And they're about to move to the SEC and... They're going to play uh, not even second fiddle because Alabama and Georgia are 1-2, but they're going to be behind Texas A&M. They're going to be behind LSU. They're probably going to even be behind Florida. Like this, the, Oklahoma is going to step into the SEC, especially now with the departures they're going to have. But <clears throat> they're they're not going to be the top dog like they are in the Big 12. So I think for Lincoln Riley, moving to USC 
just makes complete sense. It's a smart move for him because, I mean, for one, I mean, who who would who would want to live in L.A. compared to Norman, Oklahoma? I mean, for goodness' sake. But I mean, I don't want to live on the West Coast, but I it looks beautiful. But uh, then you hear some of the contract things, whether it's true or not. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not. It's just been reported that uh, Lincoln Riley and his family are in the process of building a house and moving in. But USC allegedly is going to buy both of his houses and and then buy him a $6 million house in LA, allegedly give him access to a private jet for his family 24-7. Again, I don't know if any of that's actually true, but it's being reported. Um, I mean, who would say no to that? And he's going to get $110 million plus. I mean, who who would say no to that? And, and the fact that he can go to USC and what USC means in the world of college football, seven or eight national championships and countless Heisman Trophy winners and the fact that you can now run the West Coast and just win the Pac-12 every year because, let's face it, the guys Lincoln Riley's going to bring in, he was already bringing California kids to Norman, Oklahoma to play for him. What do you think he's going to do in L.A.? It's going to be unbelievable. I, I think I think it's going to turn into just a factory again, kind of like the Pete Carroll days, but it might even be bigger than that. It might even be bigger and better. I think it's really going to turn into something amazing there. And uh, because Lincoln Riley is a heck of a football coach. I know that he hasn't won in the playoff, but I think we're about to see that real quickly. I I don't know if I'm going to say that USC is going to win the Pac-12 next year because they have some very big talent deficiencies as well. But you already know there's a lot of guys hitting the portal that are going to want to go to USC. We've already seen a lot of guys put their name in from Oklahoma. And I think the big one to look at is uh, Caleb Williams, the quarterback at Oklahoma. That young man is a special, special talent. He proved that. And, I mean, he didn't need to prove it in the Bedlam game because he's already shown that this year. But the way he performed against Oklahoma State in that atmosphere, he carried that football team. And that was a freshman. He is a freshman doing that. And uh, that was a performance for the ages. It really, really was. And, and it just the exhausted look on his face at the end of the game really makes you wonder um, if he knew, maybe might have known the situation a little bit. Um, if he knew maybe what Lincoln Riley was thinking or because you could just tell like that young man after the game, I mean, he gave everything he had for one. So, I mean, he's going to look exhausted and be tired, but I mean, he couldn't have done anything more, uh, for Oklahoma and the Sooners. And he is a legend for that performance. And he's a legend for the performance against Texas. And, and honestly, he's a legend for the way he performed in the second half of the season. I mean, the, the young man was spectacular. But I'm going to be really, really intrigued to see where he ends up. And, and it would be great if he stayed at Oklahoma uh, for those fans and just wrote it out. And I mean, that young man is a future number one pick in the draft. I think it's very apparent just the things that he can do as a quarterback, running, throwing, just his athleticism and his ability just to lead um, are second to none. But uh, it'll be really, really interesting to see if he hits the portal. If I if he hits the portal, I think it's very obvious where he's going to end up. But uh, nonetheless, um, really, really, that's a really intriguing situation. But getting back to Lincoln Riley it's it's a it's a smart move by Lincoln Riley and obviously it's a great move by USC just uh, I I'm not going to say he's ducking the SEC I I think it's a smart move to do that because if wh- where are you going to have a better chance to win 
is how you have to look at it as a coach. And he's going to have a better chance to win at USC in the Pac-12 than at Oklahoma in the SEC. Because one of the things that sets a lot of the upper echelon SEC teams apart compared to the rest of the nation is they have a huge in-state recruiting base. Alabama and Auburn are great for many reasons. Alabama is great nationally because of what that brand is and who they are and what I mean you have Nick Saban for goodness sake. But the fact that you're able to recruit the state of Alabama for both of those programs is huge. Mississippi, Mississippi State, you get to recruit the state of Mississippi. Florida, you get to recruit Florida. Georgia, you have Georgia. I mean, Texas A&M, you have Texas. I mean, it's a big big deal that there's a reason why these upper echelon SEC teams are where they're at because of the brand, because of everything, but because they have that in-state recruiting base. It's so important because recruiting is the lifeblood of all college athletics, but college football in particular. <clears throat> so Oklahoma is not going to have that. I mean, now there's some talented players in Oklahoma, but there's nowhere near as many four or five-star recruits in Oklahoma as there are in Alabama and Florida and Mississippi and Texas. It's just a fact. So he's going to have a much clearer path to winning at USC in the Pac-12 than he would at Oklahoma in the SEC. I think that's very apparent, and that's why it's a genius move by him to make the move. Um, then another job that opened up yesterday. This one we all saw coming, but uh, David Cutcliffe out at Duke. Uh, mutual agreement for separation. I think that was very, very apparent. But it is kind of a sad ending because up until the last couple years, what David Cutcliffe did at Duke was pretty amazing. Like they played in a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, they, they played... I mean, to do that at Duke, Duke football, like, that man should have a statue outside of the football stadium because I don't know if that'll ever happen again at Duke. I mean, just, I mean, obviously the past couple of years have not been great by any means, but just a great job by him. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention him uh, for what he did at that university. And uh, that'll be an interest. That'll be an interesting one to see who who gets that job. I haven't seen any rumors yet. Um, obviously, it's a very very tough job. But uh, <clears throat> then you had the news of TCU and SMU. What's going on there? Sonny Dykes leaving SMU for TCU. Then Rhett Lashley um, leaving Miami as the offensive coordinator to go get the SMU job. Then New Mexico State hired uh, TCU interim head coach. Uh, former NIU head coach, former Minnesota head coach, Jerry Kill, who is a fantastic football coach, a fantastic leader of men. Um, you just hope he can stay healthy with his health issues that he's had. But, I mean, New Mexico State, obviously a tough place to win, but they have a good football coach. They really, really do. Um, <clears throat> then go back to Oklahoma and you think about well, who's going to be in the running there? And Adam Schefter reported Cliff Kingsbury uh, from the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know if I believe that, but that, that'd be a heck of a hire if they were able to pull that off. And, of course, when you hear a big job, you're, there's always going to be the rumor of Lane Kiffin, Matt Campbell, um, Bill O'Brien, Luke Fickle. But I think somebody that should be mentioned is Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think one very uh, obvious and the person who I think is going to get the job, if it's not Bob Stoops, by the way, Bob Stoops might very well be the next head coach at Oklahoma. Don't put it past him. But I think uh, Brett Venables, defensive coordinator at Clemson, gets the job. He's a former defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. I think uh, I think it's very possible, and uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. Wouldn't surprise me one bit if uh, if that was the case.
Then the rumor at Akron, a huge, huge, this would be a huge hire for Akron if this this happens. Oregon offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead, who has been rumored for so many jobs recently, um, got the raw end of the stick at Mississippi State for sure. He's a very good football coach. He was a former assistant at Akron. Um, but if, if Akron got him, oh my, that'd be, be a fantastic hire. Be an unbelievable hire. Um, so, I mean, if that's if that happens, that'd be amazing. Then today, Temple let go of Rod Carey. Uh, that one I saw coming when uh, their starting quarterback entered the transfer portal. I, uh, I think that was very apparent. What was going to happen there? Then you hear Rich Rodriguez, who uh, currently the ULM offensive coordinator, is going to take the Jacksonville State job. Jacksonville State's moving to the FBS, about to be in Conference USA in 2023. The former West Virginia, Michigan, Arizona head coach, um, obviously one of the more brilliant offensive minds in college football, going to take that job and um, lead that program to uh, – new new heights I feel um, there's no doubt that Rich Rodriguez knows what he's doing um, I just think he was a terrible fit at Michigan but uh, still a very good football coach um, then Fresno State's coach Kalen DeBoer taking the Washington job um, that that one I think makes a lot of sense he's very very deserving of that job, uh, what he's put together at Fresno State over the past five or so years has been uh, magnificent, really. I mean, uh, the quarterbacks that he's gotten there to play and uh, just he's done a great job and he's very deserving of that job. West Coast Connections, big deal. Um, that, that, that's, that's a big, that's a good hire by them. Then uh, before I go into the crazy one, for the day, to end the day, I, I just have to look at the 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 2015 Alabama coaching staff. Like, let's look at this for a second. The head coach, obviously, Nick Saban. The offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach is Lane Kiffin, who is obviously now the head coach at Ole Miss. Then the defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach was Kirby Smart. Now the head coach at Georgia, obviously. Then you have the offensive line coach, Mario Cristobal, who is now the head coach at Oregon. Then you have Billy Napier, who is the wide receivers coach, who is now the head coach at Florida. And then you have Mel Tucker, who is the assistant head coach and defensive backs coach, who is now the head coach at Michigan State. And all of all six of those men have huge contracts <laughs> and this was all on one coaching staff in 2015 and you wonder why the 2015 Alabama team was so good well because you had six and many more than just these six but fantastic football coaches to lead them just an amazing amazing thing stat that I saw today that I have to share um, then for the, going back to the Fresno State job what uh, here's a here's a thought uh, Tom Herman the uh, former Houston coach, he very good at Houston, um, Fresno State or uh, uh, <clears throat> Texas. Obviously, he was a little over his head. But uh, what about Fresno State for him? Um, his wife is from the from that area. I feel like that could be that could be a good fit for both. I really do. Um, but we we got to talk about obviously the the bombshell that dropped this evening with Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. And this again goes to what I was saying earlier about Lincoln Riley. You need to go where you can win. And there's no doubt that you can win at Notre Dame, but where is it easier to win? And I, and I understand that LSU is in the SEC West and you have to play Alabama every year, and you have to play Texas A&M, who I think is, who is overrated, but still 
a very good program. You have to play Ole Miss. I mean, there's the the West in itself is uh, it, it's like nothing else in college sports. But it's still easier to win at LSU than it is at Notre Dame. For one, at Notre Dame, you have to go. You basically have to go undefeated to make the playoff. Playing an independent schedule without having a conference championship leads you to then almost having to go undefeated. Now, this year they do have a path, if some things fall in place, to get into the playoff, which is a gray area where I don't like what Brian Kelly did here because your team is still has a very viable chance of making the college football playoff. But you bail and leave on them, which I don't like, for the same reasons I mentioned for Lincoln Riley. But even more so when your team can play for the college football playoff. Now, I don't blame him one bit for leaving for LSU because where would you rather play in November? Would you rather play in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or... South Bend, Indiana. Now, South Bend, Indiana is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of a rural area. Um, Whereas Baton Rouge, you're only an hour from New Orleans. You're in the south. It's beautiful. You're in football country. Now, I think it's going to be amazingly easier for Brian Kelly to recruit to LSU than to Notre Dame because I think it's a lot easier to sit and tell a kid, would you rather play here where it's nice outside or play in the snow in South Bend, Indiana? I think it's a lot easier to tell a kid that. And I think what's been proven at LSU by so many coaches, Coach O is a second-to-none recruiter. The The team that he brought in to win that national title uh, was stockpiled with talent. We saw that. But just think about Brian Kelly recruiting but more so Brian Kelly as a coach. As a football coach, there aren't many better. So LSU home run hire getting him. I've seen people say he's going to get run out after two or three years. I don't see that happening. Brian Kelly is a great football coach. I won't say he's a great person, but he's a great football coach. And that's what you have to look at here is strictly from a coaching perspective, there's not many better in the in the coaching realm than Brian Kelly. So so after that, there have been twenty-three coaching changes already this year. UConn hired Jim Mora, Georgia Southern hired Clay Helton, Texas Tech got McGuire, UMass got Don Brown. Washington State uh, promoted Dickert, which was great. Florida, Billy Napier, USC with the bombshell of Lincoln Riley, TCU, Sonny Dykes, SMU, Rhett Lashley. Washington just today gets DeBoer. New Mexico State gets Jerry Kill. Then LSU gets Brian Kelly. That leaves openings at Akron, Duke, FIU, Fresno State, Louisiana, Louisiana Tech, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Temple, Troy, and Virginia Tech. A lot going on there. It'll be interesting to see over the next couple days um, what transpires there, from uh, especially at the bigger names. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the bigger names on the list of Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Virginia Tech. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. But one thing I really, really want to talk about uh before I conclude is does this lead to Notre Dame joining the ACC I think I think for the longest time this has been something that Notre Dame has needed to do um, especially with the new format for the playoff and uh, expansion um, <clears throat> obviously Notre Dame has a brand and they can be independent like they're one of the few that can do it they have a TV contract, every game's on TV, all this and that. Like They're able to do it because they have a brand. But Notre Dame isn't what Notre Dame was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s even. Like It's not 
It's not that anymore, and it's probably never going to be that. Well, not probably. It will never be that ever again. Our grandfather's Notre Dame is gone. Notre Dame needs to get into the SEC, into ACC, sorry, the ACC as quickly as they can because you need to find a way to get into the playoff. And winning the ACC is going to allow you to do that. You can't bank on going undefeated every year to get into the playoff or to get lucky this year with one loss and squeak in maybe. You have to find a path to get there. And the path for them to get there is to go to the ACC and win the ACC, be on the opposite side of the division than Clemson, and meet them. I think that that's what Notre Dame has to do. And I think I think that Brian Kelly leaving the way that he has, I think is going to get the wheels turning on that process faster than they already were. And I think it's already something that was being discussed, but I think now it's something that will steamroll. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be something that has to be done for their sake. One other thing, the last time Notre Dame and Oklahoma had to replace coaches at the same time was 1964. Notre Dame hired Eric Parshigan who obviously that turned out great for them. In his 11 years, he went 95-17-4. Oklahoma hired Gomer Jones, who went 9-11-1 in two years. Um, I'm sure nobody even knows who that is. I didn't. I had to Google him. Uh, Obviously, Notre Dame got a home run hire. Oklahoma did not. But just think about what happened today with two big-time major programs losing their head coaches within the span of hours, really. Um, just just an amazing thing, and just to think that it hadn't happened since 1964 just makes what happened over the past 24 hours even more amazing. And uh, to conclude the show, I'm going to – of course, we got to talk about the conference championships coming up this week, some really, really good football. Um but uh, yeah, we don't we don't want to don't want to cut short the play on the field. That's very important. Friday we got the Conference USA Championship, Western Kentucky, who is rolling offensively, playing against uh, UTSA, who just lost their first game of the season. Western Kentucky is actually favored going into that game. That Western Kentucky offense is something special. Bailey Zapp at quarterback is it's had. A year like no other. Um, so if you get a chance, watch that game because that young man can sling the football. Then you got a rematch in the Pac-12 championship, Oregon against Utah. Utah's favored, as they should be, after the butt kicking they gave Oregon a couple weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> I think I think Utah's going to win again. I really do. I, th- I think the way that they thoroughly destroyed them, I mean, th- th- there's a – there's a lot that would have to change for that not to happen again. I mean, they won the game. They won the game by 31 points. I mean, a lot has to change. Now, Utah's not going to win this game by 31 points, but I just think Utah's a better team, and they're going to take care of business. Then you got the Big 12 championship, Baylor against Oklahoma State, a rematch there from earlier in the year that – uh Oklahoma State won in a low-scoring game, but uh, really excited to see two different teams in that game finally. And uh, I think if Oklahoma State's able to win that game, um, then Alabama loses in the SEC championship game, which I'll get to that. But uh, I think if Oklahoma State's able to win that game in an Alabama loss, I think it puts Oklahoma State in the playoff, and they deserve it. I mean, with how they played against Oklahoma this past week, that, that was so much fun to watch. Um, very, very – I loved watching that game. That was that was awesome. Um, but that's a, that's a good Oklahoma State defense as well. Then you got the MAC championship, Kent State against Northern Illinois. Kent State's favored, but uh, they, played a, they played a really good game a couple weeks ago, the uh, first week of MAC when uh, – 
Kent State beat NIU 52-47 to in a shootout. It's going to come down to if Rocky Lombardi can play. He was injured. He was hurt this past week. Uh, didn't play against Western Michigan, but I'm going to continue to roll with the Huskies as long as they're healthy. But if Rocky Lombardi can't play, then I don't think NIU has much of a chance. Then you got the Mountain West Championship game. The upstart surprising Utah State Aggies against San Diego State. It's it's at San Diego State. I think San Diego State's going to be able to take care of business there. But uh, bravo to Utah State for the way that they played this year. I mean, that was unexpected. Then the Sun Belt Championship got App State against Louisiana. I would say Louisiana because they've won 11 in a row, but losing Billy Napier uh, could throw a wrench into things. App uh, was not focused when they played them the first time, and uh, they were focused on Coastal completely. Um, I think App is going to put up a really, really good fight there, and they they could go into Lafayette and get that win. They really could. Then the SEC title game, Georgia against Alabama. I think it's very apparent that Georgia is the better team. The thing that I worry about going into that football game is it is obviously in the SEC's best interest if Alabama wins this game because then both Alabama and Georgia would be in the playoff. The, the thing I question going into that game is the integrity of the officiating. This game needs to be officiated the correct way, and and I hope and I hope it is. Like I would hope that we don't have to question that after the game. I mean, there's no doubt that Alabama can go and win this game. There's no doubt. Um, Georgia hasn't played anybody that's at their level, but Alabama also has not played well this year at all. Probably should have lost to Auburn this past week, but. Nonetheless, like I said, the officiating is going to be very, very interesting to watch in that game. I'll just leave it at that. Then the AAC championship, Houston against Cincinnati. Houston has won 11 in a row as well. So Cincinnati's going to be in a fight for a fight here, but Cincinnati's playing really, really well the past couple weeks. I think they're going to be able to get it done and go, go into the playoff. Then the ACC championship game, just great to see two new teams Pittsburgh and Wake Forest, we're going to see two good quarterbacks, some really good wide receivers, just some good offense. It'll be fun to see that. Then the Big Ten Championship, Michigan against Iowa. I'm really hoping Michigan's able to steamroll them. That's all I'm going to say there. But, again, guys, uh, always enjoy jumping on every Monday night, talking about everything, and we shared a lot to talk about (laughs) this week. Just just an amazing – 24 to 36 hours that has happened in the college football world. But as always, uh, feel free to follow me personally at coach underscore B will. And then the podcast Twitter account where I keep it updated daily, hourly minute, every minute with what's going on recently um, at TNT college foot one. Again, thanks for all the support. Always, always love, uh, chatting football with anybody and uh again guys thanks for tuning in have a good night god bless